Welcome to episode 54 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast. I am your host for this week, Jack Chambers Ward, and I am joined by Goodness Azabogu, a technical SEO specialist at Trek Marketing. And Goodness and I are going to be talking all about e-commerce and specifically focusing on how to effectively use pagination and some common pitfalls that happen when it comes to implementing pagination on your e-commerce site. I've got a fair bit of experience with e-commerce with my clients uh, throughout my career so far. I know goodness has as well. We dive into a lot of that stuff later on in the show. But before I get to my conversation with goodness, I'd like to give a shout out to the fantastic sponsor of this show. That is, of course, Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. And you can go to systrix.com slash SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, the hreflang validator, of course, the Google Update Radar, and checking your site's visibility index. And visibility is definitely the topic from Systrix this week. As we're going to be diving into Index Watch 2022, the losers. Yes, that's right, the losers. I talked about some of the winners last week. Now I'm diving into the losers, not only from the UK, courtesy of the fantastic former guest of the show, Loser Rawlings, but also from another fantastic former guest on the show, Lily Ray, we're going to talk about the losers in the US as well. So let's start with the UK, since, you know, I'm based in the UK. I know the UK search scene a little bit better than I know the US side of things. And basically, I'm going to touch on a couple of different things, some notable drop-offs, but I won't go into too much detail. I will let you do that yourself and go and read the fantastic article produced by Luce earlier this week, and you can go and check that out in full in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. Right, let's dive in, shall we? So kicking things off, Vox.com. And if you guys know Vox.com very well, they are a kind of political news site, essentially, US-based, pretty much, but I know they have very much international uh, coverage as well, and I know they're pretty, pretty big on YouTube. I know I've seen their YouTube channel pop up quite a lot in my recommendations, and they've done some really interesting content, to be fair, to the credit of them. They do do some fantastic explainers for political definitions and things like that. What does this voting system mean? How What does this election mean going forward? How do you understand various different international political situations and all that kind of stuff? Some really nice kind of breakdowns. But interestingly, they have seen a pretty big drop-off in visibility. They're down over 72% across 2022. They have lost 322,000 rankings Yes, 322,000 rankings and decreases in a further 193 rankings as well. If any of my clients saw numbers like that, I would be absolutely terrified. And and the platform subfolder in particular seems to have seen the most significant drop off, especially due to, well, a couple of different things, basically. So the March product review update seems to have really, really affected and there were little Uh, little bumps, little rises every now and then throughout the year, a little glimmer of hope. But the May core update, the September product review, and then the October spam update really kind of hammered this decline home for this particular part of Vox.com, unfortunately for Vox. 
they have also done the opposite of what a lot of people have been doing. And I talked about this with Cindy Crum quite a few months ago, back in 2022, talking about AMP and how most people are kind of giving up on it because Google is not particularly using it anymore. Most people are already working on mobile-first websites and building websites with mobile-first intent, so AMP is less of an important thing here in 2023. They also do a lot of sponsored content, lots of banner ads and kind of, I don't know if you've been on modern news sites, because I'll talk about those in a sec as well. A lot of news sites have pretty intrusive ads and Google is really cracking down on that in, a, in many, many ways as well. The Guardian, the BBC, The Sun, three of arguably the biggest news sites here in the UK has seen a pretty significant decline as well. So there definitely seems to be a trend for a lot of big news sites seeing uh, quite big effects to them and quite big declines. Switching over to the US and looking at the data that Lily Ray has analyzed, dictionary.com, free dictionary, your dictionary, thesaurus. There definitely seems to be a kind of common thread there. There is, they've seen, so to put it into perspective, Dictionary.com had a visibility index of 760, the, essentially in January of 2022, and has dropped by 129 down to 630. Similarly for the freedictionary.com, which is number three, yourdictionary.com is number four, thesaurus.com is number five. There is a pretty clear pattern there, I think, from, from what we're seeing. Similarly for news sites, places like TechRadar, CNET, PCMag, again, The Guardian and Vox are in there as well in the top 10. And in general, a lot of news sites have seen a pretty, pretty big impact from a lot of these, a lot of these effects. Lily Ray highlights something really interesting there that I think is definitely worth noting as well. The reason perhaps a lot of these new sites have seen such a decline in visibility index is because that the Citrix visibility index only tracks the standard organic blue links. It does not track things like top stories and the news features and all that kind of stuff that you see now as SERP features in 2023. So in Google News, which is not tracked by the visibility index. Google has launched a bunch of different stuff, so new showcase and discover and all that kind of stuff that is not highlighted here when you're measuring the VI of a site. So the fact that perhaps Google is serving their information in slightly different ways, them being the new sites, perhaps they're serving those new sites in different ways and presenting that information to the user in a different method that is actually not tracked by most tools kind of potentially shows you where this decline has come from. So it's actually maybe a shift in the SERP itself rather than a necessary shift in visibility. Say, for example, you do the compare SERPs thing, and uh, Lily has done an example here, looking at David Bowie specifically. Six years ago, 50% of the organic links were from news media sites on that top 10 classic organic blue links on the, on the SERP page. Now, in January of 2023, not a single one of them is. Previously, you would have had like The Telegraph and the BBC and news about David Bowie's death and stuff like that. Now you have a YouTube page. You have davidbowie.com. Obviously, Wikipedia's in there, IMDb, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify is even in there as well. So there definitely seems to be a shift in that kind of intent that has gone away from, perhaps that's because of the passing of Bowie, that's, that's a potential thing there, of course, but the fact that it's gone from a, a new SERP to a 
less news-driven SERP, I think is a pretty interesting shift. Uh, the dictionary sites saw particular decline, the ones I mentioned earlier, so dictionary.com, freedictionary.com, etc., saw a pretty big impact from the September core update that we saw last year. A lot of these sites are impacted around the same sort of time, so definitely seems to be a consistent trend across that industry. And very interestingly, Google did highlight dictionaries and sites that are looking to provide clear definitions and things like that, specifically in their Google search quality rater guidelines late last year that Mark and I talked about. If you're listening to this, link in the show notes for that episode as well. If you want to go and hear us break down the search quality rater guidelines, they specifically call out dictionary sites. So it is possible also that Google is essentially scrutinizing them a bit more and looking at them in a bit more detail and they're failing to meet those quality standards, essentially. So yeah, lots of different stuff to talk about, both from the UK and the US side of things. I will put links for both Luce's analysis of the UK SERPs and the UK Index Watch of 2022. This is the losers, of course, in the show notes at search.withcanada.co.uk. And of course, I'll put the link to Lily Ray's US counterpart for that page in there as well. So you can go and check them out for yourself in full and check out the biggest losers in visibility of 2022. And welcome to the show, Goodness Azabogu. How are you? I'm good, Jack. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on a Friday morning, listeners. So hopefully we're bringing, bringing some Friday energy and that Friday feeling to the podcast this week. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my plan. <laughs> I hope so too. So, for the listeners who don't know who you are, goodness, first of all, welcome to the show. I believe this is your first ever podcast, is that right? Yes, it is. That's my first, very first podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm so excited to be the first podcast you've ever been on. I'm sure you will go on to do many other podcasts in your career, so I, I, I'll yeah. say a little thank you for being, letting me be the first, basically. Oh, <laughs> no, I should be saying thank you. I'm honoured to be here. <laughs> <laughs> cool so tell us a little bit about yourself and your career so far so from what i understand you started off um as a mentee in the fcdc is that correct yes yes so um i've been doing seo for like about nine months or so um i started as a trainee under the fcdc with our leader so she trained us for about three months in technical seo then I went ahead to do an internship at uh, uh, with an agency in the U.S., uh, Crunchylinks. Uh, I did that for three months. Then I went on to get a full-time role with Trek Marketing as a te technical SEO specialist. So, yeah, currently I'm working with Trek Marketing and I'm doing technical SEO and e-commerce SEO. Amazing. Fantastic. And what an amazing mentor to have, right? Aleda Salis of all people. Like, what a superstar. Yeah. What an SEO. She, she's awesome. <laughs> she's awesome. Like, I mean, the foundation she gave us was, like, enough to start uh, the internship and move on to a full-time role. So, she's great. Amazing. Yeah. I'm hoping to have a lot of new people on the show through the FCDC. I know I was speaking to a couple other people on Twitter. We're planning to have a lot more people who have gone through that process. And I, I'm so interested. It's such an amazing program, I think is really helping people from different parts of the world be introduced to SEO and digital marketing and give the opportunity to people who don't usually get it right. I think it's such an amazing program. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. It is. I mean, a lot of us didn't know what SEO was till we joined the FCDC. <laughs> and yes, so it's it's a really huge opportunity. And Chima is doing so great. She's she's awesome. <laughs> An- another absolute rock star of SEO. You got Aleda yeah. and Chima, like the two like pillars of ah, SEO. The combo is awesome. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good combination. <laughs> so do you mind me asking what, what you were doing before you started working in SEO? What was that kind of transition for you thinking about your career? And what was the kind of motivation thinking like, oh, this FCDC thing, this sounds cool. I should give this a try. Actually, it, it was, I, I wasn't planning on joining the FCDC. It was just luck that I found FCDC on, on LinkedIn. Although I've been thinking oh, wow. of changing careers. Yes, I worked in uh, marketing and uh, customer service for a while, yes. But I, I've always wanted something that I can work from home. I needed to be at home, stay with my family more. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, here, where we are here, you leave very early in the morning, you come back really late. So, I mean, there's no time to spend with family. So, uh, just one day, I, I came across Chima on LinkedIn. I followed her. I saw some of her, her posts, and I learned about FCDC I joined. And from there, I got to know about the technical SEO uh, training so that's how I joined and and here I am amazing amazing so listeners out there who don't know we've said FCDC a few times that does stand for the Freelance Coalition of Developing Countries and that is basically a amazing program I will put a link in the show notes for listeners if you do want to get some more information it is an amazing opportunity for a lot of people from developing countries to get the opportunity they never had before right and I think that you're a perfect example they're gonna like being able to work from home is such a unique thing now we can do you know in in 2023 that maybe people wouldn't have done five ten years ago and especially I think after the COVID-19 pandemic we're now kind of like that's a normal accepted thing in a lot of companies where it wouldn't have been accepted before I think that hopefully there's a good kind of progress there (laughs) yeah yeah it is it is a good progress I mean I'm sure a lot of people would like to work from home we just didn't have the opportunity yet yeah Hopefully, I think that's going to be a shift we see a lot more of. I'm I'm often in the office because I'm here. This I'm in the candor office now. Goodness can see me on the video. You can see my little candor logo above me here and things like that. <laughs> and those of you who have seen the live streams, the listeners, you can see I'm I'm usually in the studio here with Mark and things like that. But yeah, I, I think the ability to work from home and giving people the flexibility, like you said, you don't have that commute, right? The let's say it's an hour, two hours there, an hour, two hours back. That's your whole day gone. And like you said, you're there from morning through to evening. You don't get a chance to see families, partners, children, all this kind of stuff. Like it's just a, yeah. a such a change. I think it's a really positive change for our industry and and things like the FCDC are then bringing that positivity to a wider audience. is just an amazing thing. And I'm so pleased to have you on and to give you this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. So you mentioned technical SEO. You mentioned some e-commerce as well from your training with Aleda. And that is going to be our topic for this week. And then talk about, kind of dive into some common pagination issues that happen on e-commerce websites. And I think you've got some pretty great advice for essentially how to fix and improve a lot of those issues, right? So I guess, should we start with what do we mean by pagination in e-commerce? Well, uh, pagination is, it's, it's a process where a, a large contents are broken down across several multiple pages, you know, to make it easy for people to assess those pages. Now, when it comes to e-commerce websites, we see that happening in product listing pages or category pages where they are shared across uh, paginated pages so that maybe 
users can have a good experience or they can they can easily find uh, products, specific products, instead of having to scroll a lot to find something they're looking for on a website. So um, that's uh, where you have a uh, pagination. And I think it's, it's very important because as SEOs, we are tasked with making sure that our websites are visible. You want them to be called. You want pages to be indexable and eventually rank for their target keywords. But when you get the, that traffic, how do you retain your customers? You want them to have a good shopping experience. You don't want them to bounce off your website because, I mean, they're finding it difficult to get to a page or they're finding it difficult to buy something. So I think pagination is one way of offering a good user experience. Yeah, I think that's so key. It's something I talk about a lot with my e-commerce clients is having the right page for the right search query and being able to make sure that if somebody is looking for a product, they are able to find that product easily and quickly. And you want to make that customer journey as easy as possible. The, the, the less barriers you can put in front of them to, to access your products and then with pagination, then be able to browse other products as well and be like, oh, I came here for you know product number one but actually, I want to buy product number two, and maybe I'll have a look at product number three while I'm here as well, and give yeah, that like, opportunity for the customer to then convert and buy more stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that's very important. You know, I mean, the whole essence of, of having products to sell is for people to buy. They're not able to buy anything. It defeats the whole purpose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day we're working with businesses right they got to, they've got to make money that's that's just yeah the, exactly the, the end they goal do. at the end of the day <laughs> yes they do <laughs> so i think what a lot of people think about pagination i think outside of e-commerce a lot of people think of like a typical blog right you think of page one page two page three and all of your content kind of through there but i think something you really touched on there was product listing pages i think is a really big part of how pagination works on e-commerce websites so I guess, what are some of the kind of common things you will see from your experience looking at e-commerce websites from that kind of technical perspective that can maybe hold a website back? I see it's when you have very large websites with a lot of products, yeah, it's inevitable. They have to break up those pages into, you know, smaller pages across, you know, multiple pages. But uh, if this pagination isn't implemented correctly, that's where we have some issues that come up that affects the website uh, visibility. So um, one common issue I see is canonicalizing pagination, paginated mm. pages. Yeah, you see the, the, the instance where uh, the root page has a self-canonical and the pages two, three, four are canonicalized to the root page. I mean, we know what canonical means. You're telling Google that the, the first page, the one that has a self-referential canonical is the one you want to get indexed, while the rest that are canonicalized to it, you don't want them in the index. And that is not true. You do want those pages in the index because they have important pages on them. So you want them, you want to show them in the index. Um, another common issue I see is um, having a, a paginated pages resulting to often, often pages. You know, when these paginated mm, pages, yeah. yeah, when they are like excluded from the site link structure, it makes it difficult for uh, crawlers to assess those pages. They, they, there are no links leading to those pages, making them often yeah so often pages are when there are no links to them or they have little to no links so when we have paginated pages that are probably blocked in the robots.txt there's no way for for crawlers to assess the, the content there or when you put a no index on them which eventually google will stop following the links there and they will stop crawling it so you don't want that to happen when you have pages 
important content on those paginated pages that you want Google to crawl and index eventually. So um, these are the two issues. I think I think internal links is so key there, right? Understanding how those different pages relate to each other and then they how they then link to those product pages. And say, for example, you get a fantastic backlink to one of your product pages, but it's on page three. And then as you exactly right there, goodness, like talk about how you then canonicalize that to page one. You're then basically telling Google, yeah, that page doesn't matter, but you've got a really good backlink. You're wasting all of that page rank that you could be then sharing around the rest of your pages and getting the benefit and you're not then able to make the most of it and like maximize that opportunity you're kind of telling google don't worry about it i've canonicalized this one this one's the important one don't worry about that and like you said eventually google would just stop crawling and paying attention at all and just be well okay i don't care about these backlinks and you've essentially lost that opportunity yeah and and we don't want that every every other page rank counts we want your pages to be linked sequentially from pages one, two, mm. three, and you want internal links to them. We want backlinks to them to show that they are all important pages. Unless you don't want them to be, unless they are not important. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's the yeah. argument of like, why, why have them on your website? If they're not important, there's, there's, you can start throwing stuff out and kind of planning and structuring your site a bit better. Or, orphan pages is such a key part of that as part of that internal linking structure, right? When you're thinking about, oh, we really want to, why isn't this product selling well? It was selling well one year ago, but now it's not selling well. It was like, well, yeah, it was on page one a year ago, and now you've added a lot more products. It's now on page four, and it's not being highlighted as well. And, you know, it's for, it's so many more clicks for a user, let alone the crawler from search engines, to come through and actually find that page. Then, you're again, you're sending that message to Google to say, yeah, this isn't that important. Don't worry about it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so confusing for Google, right, to see, I mean, backlinks to a page that it's supposed to, you know, have internal links to your other pages, mm. to fast page rank, and then you decide to canonicalize the page and waste the whole uh, uh, link you're getting from the backlinks. We have some other issues that I've, I've, I've seen while analyzing some websites. Um, pagination links implemented with uh, JavaScript, you know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like, I see that. Well, it's not so common, but I've seen it in a couple of websites. You know, Google can only follow links that have an, an A tag with an href. I mean, it has to be an href tag for Google to follow the links. If you have a JavaScript, Google won't follow links. Google can't do on-click events. Yeah. So if you want your pages to be followed, if you want them to get a chance to be indexed, you need to use an Ahref uh, links on the anchor links. It needs to have an Ahref link on them. Um, yeah, other... I think that's such a common kind of thing where you'll see, when you're thinking about like internal linking structure and the site structure, so many people think about it as like, oh, yeah, I've got my homepage here and then I've got my top level category pages, subcategories and products. But actually, if you just put a an href link straight from the homepage, you can actually use that to highlight a product or kind of boost it in that site structure. And the same is yeah. true for pagination, right? You want to make sure you are having those clear links at the very, very basic one. You're totally right that, that it's just going to crawl the HTML. That is the first step for every crawler is just going to look at that HTML check those A links and be like, okay, what is the absolute ground level basic structure of this website? Eventually, it will get around to rendering and, and working out JavaScript stuff. But I know 
from from experiments Mark has done and shown me in the past and and experiments we've done here at Canada before it can take days weeks sometimes months to actually render javascript so if you're rel- you're totally right if you're relying on that for like a fundamental structural part of your website you're using the you're using the wrong technique <laughs> yeah yeah exactly although i've i've seen a case where the website used javascript but when you disable the javascript it has some pagination links so so oh, interesting. In, in that, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They have yeah, that kind it, of backup. Has, yes, they have a backup. So even even when it takes time, <laughs> Google can still crawl it even without JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pagination pages also. Uh, I've noticed they have a lot of high click depth. I mean, it's mm. inevitable when you have a really large website and you have a whole lot of product pages. I've seen pages seven, 10 pages. Those are really far away from the homepage. And we know that we want our important pages to not be more than three clicks away from the homepage. That's the best practice that we know of. So um, in, in yeah, cases definitely. like this, yes, where, where we have um, a couple of pages far away from the, from the homepage, um, it causes a, a, an issue because Google might not think they are, they are important. When it's, when it's looking at the whole site structure, in my field, the pages are not important. So it might get crawled less, and you don't want that. You want you want your important pages to get crawled often. You want Google to assess the content and see what you have on those pages. So having them far away from the home page is a problem. Like you mentioned before, you can you can put some of your your pages on the home page on the navigation menu just to get internal links from there to the pages. Mm. So um, these are some of the issues that uh, I see people implementing pagination incorrectly on e-commerce websites. I think they're so common, especially when, like, say uh, you're working with a new client and they've never worked with an SEO agency before and maybe it's just been built by a developer and they have not worked with that kind of SEO mindset in mind when they first started building the site. And you could, like you said, you're so commonly will encounter at least one, maybe two, even three of these issues all at once when it comes to the pagination of those product pages. And then you suddenly realize like, well, yeah, obviously that's why that product isn't selling. It's getting no organic traffic. It's eight, nine clicks away, so deep into the site structure. I even saw an example when I was crawling a site the other day where um, I think I was using Sitebulb and it hit 50 click depth, click crawl depth. And it just, we've hit maximum crawl depth. I'm not, go, I'm not going any further. I was like, yeah, there's an issue there somewhere. <laughs> you definitely don't want to be hitting 50. Like you said, you get to 10, that's bad enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that, that's too deep. I mean, Google might not just not bother. I mean, it's too far away. Yeah. How, how big does your website need to be to have 50 click depth? <laughs> Unless you're one of the biggest websites in the world. Like, <laughs> how do you justify that? Yeah. <laughs> I did mention when you when you yeah, when you uh add uh, no robots, when you add paginated pages to the no robots, you're telling Google not to crawl it. So essentially you're telling it you know those pages are not going to get crawled when it has no yeah. index or when you canonicalize those pages to the root page, they won't get indexed either. So these are some issues and we know that you want your pages to get crawled, you want them indexable. And you want those the product listing pages, the, the, the products on those pages to rank, to have a chance to rank for their target keywords, right? So uh, these are some of the issues, crawling issues, indexability issues that we find uh, in, in such websites. So a way we can effectively implement this uh, 
pagination so it doesn't bring about these issues is having self-referential canonicals on each paginated page. Paginated pages are unique pages. Google already said they treat them as unique pages. They, they have different products on each of the pages. They are not the same, so there's no reason to canonicalize to the root page. We need to make them indexable. We need to make them self-referential canonicals. Um, another thing we can do is linking your paginated pages sequentially and making sure that those links can be followed. Don't block them on the uh, using robots.txt. If you block, they can't get crawled. Don't add a no index to them because eventually Google will stop crawling them at one point, and we don't want mm. that to happen either. Yes. Um, and in the case of JavaScript, like you mentioned before, I mean, it, it's it's not worth the effort to have your, your important pages relying on JavaScript links. You want Google to immediately see them, you know, and, and be able to index them. So using Ahrefs, uh, uh, links is very important so that google can follow your links and crawl them and assess your content it's like the other side of that easy customer journey right you want to make it easy for the crawler to crawl your pages and get around your site it's the same process of to to keep as many barriers away make it as easy as possible for customers to find new products and google to find new pages and crawl and index them exactly as you're trying to make it easy for google you also want to make it easy for your users right so um, uh, having these things in place is very important to ensure that um, your website can get a chance to rank, you know, and there won't be any issues with um, your pages crawl, uh, not being indexed. You know, there's some times when you crawl pages and you see that most of the products are, are not uh, getting indexed or most of the products are, are in, a, what do you call it? They don't have any links to them, so Google can't find them. Mm. So you see that they are often pages, yes. So it's because of issues like this that you need to implement correct pagination so that you won't have this happening. I think that's really important because, like we said, the golden rule of SEO that I think is is so important is whatever we do for SEO also needs to benefit the user. You never want to get in the way of the user just to benefit the search engine or a crawler or a robot or however you want to put it. And being able, like you said, to have, you know, those pages are different and you want to communicate that to the crawler to say, yes, these pages are different. Something you briefly touched on earlier that I think is really interesting is on-page content as well, right? Because I know I've been talking a lot about this and even when I was at Brighton SEO, hearing talks from people like Ari Jabawali and, and things like that, where she talked about the importance of having those category listing pages and product listing pages having them be different. So can, again, kind of understanding that hierarchy. But when it comes to pagination, sometimes you get the product listing page with a bit of content at the top of the page. That kind of introductory, this is our list of this category of products and here's why you should buy from us. Here's all this kind of stuff and having that on-page content. Do you think there's value in having that change from page to page where as, you, as you paginate? Yeah, I actually think it's it's good to have. I mean, it's not necessary, but it's good to have because, yes, Google has mm. become really good at identifying uh, the relationship between these pagination pages, right? So, but if you can, yes, having content on the first page is good. You know, you can have a, a little, uh, uh, like maybe a fact, like frequently asked questions with uh, answers or about a particular set of uh, the, the products in that category, and then... You can have the subsequent pages. If you can, you can just add a page two or page three just to differentiate the pages. 
from the from the uh, roots page. So yes, I think it's it can also help to uh, show that the first page is the <coughs> most important page with your most important content. I also mentioned before that having a, a your best selling product or your, your the pages ha- that are bringing in the most traffic or revenue on your first page is also great. It's a good. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, it's a good way to implement it if that's if that's okay for you. But I, I think it's good because I see some websites sorting their products based on best selling. So the, the best selling products are on the first page. And so that well, even when they have deeper pages, it maybe they are not so important as the, the couple of first pages they have there because they are the ones bringing in the money. So they don't mind having those ones yeah. in pages five, six. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think some some other sites will do that like alphabetically by default and that's not necessarily the best way of doing it. I think you're totally right having those kind of champion products that you really want to highlight and say these are the ones that sell we know we can sell these there's not going to be any stock issues or anything like that we know we can sell these products consistently throughout the year and these are the ones we want to highlight have those on the first page make you've got the the order of your products can actually be really important when it comes to pagination instead of just relying on like a default sorting by your whatever cms you're using or an alphabetical thing it's like oh all of our products beginning with a sell really well but all the products beginning with <laughs> s and t and v yeah they don't sell because they're on page nine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what are what are some other things we can think of uh you mentioned on page kind of content there as well is do you want to be changing the title of those pages as you go through as well it's a lot of work to do changing the titles because um well it's it's a dev that's going to do that job right i mean if they don't think mm. it's important if, if they don't think it's important enough to go through the stress of changing the titles of the paginated pages they won't they won't really want to do that yeah so but like i said before i, I don't think it's necessary to like differentiate the titles completely since google can understand the relationship between those pages it knows which one comes first it knows which one comes second no but i i read an article where the person said he did an experiment and he he, he removed a uh, rel next and the rel prayer from his um uh, pagination and he saw some of his uh, paginated pages ranking and I had that issue with one website. I saw a page two rank, and honestly, I was, mm. I was like, "What's going on here? This is like the only <laughs> website I've seen happen here." So yes, um, it can happen probably because you removed uh, the Google's ability to find out the relationship between those pages. You re- you took it away. The real next real prev, you took it away. There's no way for Google to know that these are pages in a sequence. So it's was able to uh, rank page two because it thought it's a unique page different from the paginated series so yeah mm. was that a case where page two was actually outranking page one in that case oh i had i had a, i had a friend's website that it happened to that's why i got <laughs> uh, yeah read about that uh, uh, the article <laughs> i was trying to find a case where it happened that why why did this happen so that's where I found that issue. I now noticed that even in the uh, nice. sitemap, it had, yeah, the, the paginated pages were included in the sitemap. Ah, interesting. Again, a... coming yeah. back to craw- crawlability and indexability, right? <laughs> Having, exactly. Being able to highlight those pages in the sitemap, that's a great yeah, idea, it, it great shouldn't point. Be, yeah, 
exactly so. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So in an ideal world, what does the perfect pagination for an e-commerce website look like? If you could just click your fingers and create a perfect paginated e-commerce site, what would it look like, goodness? Mm, okay, well, in an ideal world, <laughs> that would be... Uh, <laughs> in, un, unlimited that, that, budget, all the, all the developers uh, <laughs> are happy, everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Okay, well, I would say um, having a, well, having each page canonical, self-canonicals for each paginated pages, yeah, having content on the main page if you can, differentiating the titles too if you can, yes, and having no, make sure that the AHF links on the paginated links can be followed. You don't want to know, no index them. You don't want to block their crawling in robots.txt. We don't want that. You know, we want Google to access all the pages wherever they are. So um, in an ideal situation, yes. And yes, no JavaScript links. We don't want Google to spend time trying to render uh, uh, the content on your page when you, you can easily access it through href links. So, um, yeah, I think that's what an ideal situation for me would look like. Nice. There you go. If anybody listening out there is working on an e-commerce site or you're about to build an e-commerce site, that's some very good advice to follow. <laughs> Have a think about how you're paginating. And I know different CMSs handle it in different ways and, and, and a few different, you know, there's different methods of doing this, right? But I think if you stick to those, like, key principles, those core principles that will really, really kind of benefit you in so many ways to help your product pages to rank in that way. Yeah, yeah. And if 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 you have a whole lot of uh, paginated pages and you're wondering how, uh, you know, how you're going to get uh, links to those pages, you can just, you know, subcategorize them, have subcategories for some of these pages instead of just leaving them on a like a higher click depth, page 10, page 11, you can create more subcategories for them or you can link some of those pages on your homepage, you know, so users can or, or Google can crawl them from directly from the homepage and get access to them. Yeah, I think subcategories is such a key part, kind of coming back around to what you said at the very, very beginning and talking about those the, the click depth you've got there and having too many trying to do too many things with one page having an ability to kind of narrow down that search intent and say okay we know they're looking for i don't know blue clothes but what kind of clothes they're looking for are they looking for hats or socks or t-shirts or jumpers or jackets or anything like having a specific page that then narrows down into oh this is blue hats for men blue hats for women blue wet hats for children Getting more and more specific, I think, really helps not only the search intent, but you're totally right about that click depth as well, right? You're then able to have a, a paginated page that has, okay, that has 10 products on it, and we've got 30 products in that subcategory, rather than all of the 100 blue clothes products all in one thing, and it's and 10 pages page. of pagination. <laughs> yeah, that that's a lot. <laughs> that, that's a lot. We don't, we don't want that. Yeah, I think subcategories have been a key for me talking to a lot of our e-commerce clients recently and understanding, you know, like I said, where you have enough stock and where you can kind of justify its own standalone landing page for, okay, we have this main parent category, but here's this subcategory and how that relates to that. And you're totally right, having that crawlability, ensuring that links back to the parent category and the parent category links to those child categories properly is so important to understand that site structure, right? 
Yes, yes, it, it is very important. And that's, that's like a whole other topic, right? Creating subcategory mm, pages yeah. <laughs> and making new landing pages, you know, yes. I mean, I, there, there are times when people just create category, subcategory pages that you don't even have the products for and there, there are no keywords. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you see nobody's searching for them and you're creating subcategory pages for them and you only have two products on there to show. So, like, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, a whole other yeah. topic. <laughs> I, I, again, come around to, you know, wasted time and wasted effort and things like that. You're missing that opportunity when... You're just creating things without doing the research. Maybe actually, again, you know, like you said, this is a whole other topic, but we're touching on it a little bit. <laughs> that yes. that key part of understanding, like you said, search demand, search intent. Do you actually have the stock to prove essentially that you're worthy of ranking? Like if somebody else has 15 products in a category and you've got one or two, are you really the best option for that user? Are you the best landing page for that user? You're going to give them the best customer experience probably not <laughs> yeah probably not because i mean you just have two products and people want to see options before they make a choice right mm. they want yeah. tell them you have a blue shirt and they want to see all the blue shirts you have so they can pick one they like and when you have only yeah, two definitely, products definitely. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so when it comes to pagination i think you mentioned the click depth of three, I think, is a pretty good rule of thumb to live by, right? And if you're going past that, maybe that's the time to think about splitting out that category and creating new pages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like I mentioned before, when it's more than three depths, when you have like four, five, six, seven, you know, it's it looks like it's not an important page. Important pages should be close to the home page. I mean, you don't want besides even for users, you don't want them to keep clicking on pages just to find a specific product. You want them to easily find the products on your pages. And the same thing goes for Google. You don't want it to keep crawling a whole lot of pages. I mean, you don't want that. So finding a way to bring links to those pages is it's very important. Uh, for uh, paginated pages so google can easily call them and then your users can also find the pages on them yeah absolutely absolutely perfect well i think that pretty much covers pagination SEO. hopefully listeners you've learned a lot i know i have and it's been a really interesting conversation i really, really enjoyed having you on goodness thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me jack so the listeners out there, how can people find you on social media, find your website, all that kind of stuff? I'll give you a minute to basically share yourself to the world, to the SEO world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, goodness as a bogle. Just type it on LinkedIn and you find me. <laughs> Same thing goes for Twitter, goodness as a bogle. Uh, yeah, to, um, my website, goodness as a bogle also there you go nice and easy as always listeners all the links for that will be in the show notes so just go to search.withcanda.co.uk and you'll find the links for twitter linkedin and goodness's website there as well so nice and easy for you hopefully <laughs> all right jack thank you so much thank, thank you, you so much goodness me. that's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> oh thank you it was nice chatting with you
And that's the end of the show for this week. Thank you so much to Gunter Sazabogu for joining me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk about e-commerce and pagination and really dive into some of the more technical stuff. I really enjoyed having a, a more technical discussion this week. It was nice. And hopefully listeners out there, as I said, if you are working on e-commerce sites and you are thinking about how to structure your pagination and you were just communicating that with a new client or talking to the developers or whatever stage you're in, hopefully this has given you some inspiration from those fantastic tips from goodness to get an idea of what you should and should not be doing on your e-commerce site. I'll be back next week, of course, with more interviews and more news and things like that. Mark and I will be back soon for another kind of news recap kind of thing in the form of the live streams we're working on with Systrix. They will be coming up very, very soon. I know it's getting towards the end of January now by the time you're hearing this, and we are working on those live streams. We'll be getting those to you very, very soon, and I will announce all that kind of stuff on social media as soon as they're up and running. We will get into the swing of that, and that will be actually over exclusively on Systrix's YouTube channel as well. So do go and subscribe to Systrix's YouTube channel ahead of time if you don't want to go and check that out and be prepared for when Mark and I go live with our SEO news recap coming up in our collaboration with Systrix in the future. Until then, thank you so much for listening and have a lovely week.